Hello and welcome to episode 134 of Art Juice. This is honest, generous and humorous conversations that will feed your creative soul and get you thinking with me, Alice Sheridan. And me, Louise Fletcher. And this week we're going to be talking about the idea of spending time with your work. What is wasted time for you and does it all have to be productive? And that came about from what I've been doing this week. But before we get to that, how's your week been? What have you been working on? Busy, 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 as always. But um, two exciting things that I've been working on. The first is I had to go back and look at my notes as well. What have I been doing? The first is I um, have had some new panels made but they are completely different size and shape. So if uh, you can see, Alice, the painting on the wall behind me, mm-hmm. that's a long, thin painting on paper. And I wanted, it's a painting I made just after my friend died, who I talked about last week. And I wanted to put it onto a panel and I wanted to stick it onto a panel and have it in my house. And I have a place for it and everything. So I'm all set with that. So I asked my handyman friend to make a panel the perfect size. And he's made a brilliant long panel and I was sealing and priming it last night and I thought god I wish I wasn't going to stick that painting on it because this is a really tempting size and shape Mm. like I really want to paint on it and this morning he showed up with another one Uh, I must have manifested that because he showed up with another one because he had the wood spare from the big sheet of plywood and he said I thought you might want this one I've made another one and Uh, because he owed me a favor so I now have this beautiful long thing it's seven just over seven feet by two feet wow so it's really long and thin and I've just finished gessoing and I'm like I can't wait to get putting some paint on that one Um, but the other thing I did today I came in here to do some painting and found out we have a borehole for our water and once a year, the men come and service it and they were servicing it this morning, which meant the water went off with no warning and we didn't have water for three hours. So I couldn't paint. So I started tidying up in here. Big studio tidy up. It's only about half completed, but it feels so much better it's to just start so clearing out. I've cleared out some paintings that are going nowhere, some little panels that are just going nowhere and pieces on paper that need putting in the plan chest that's in the garage and junk that's everywhere. And I just wonder, how am I so messy? Some people seem, even though they make a mess when they work, they seem to have organized systems for where things go once they tidy up. But I seem to have lots of things that have nowhere to go. And yet I don't want to throw them away. And so they just kind of are in the way. I just don't seem organized. The biggest thing that I ever learned about being organized and I think everybody has their complete weak spots when it comes to being organized, actually, that I think take quite a lot of effort to get over. But one of the things that two two things, one is just make it really easy to put stuff back and also make sure you're putting things in a place that you'll know where to find them. That's the biggest thing. And I remember like you see on Pinterest, like all these walls and everybody's got all their paints all clipped up, all color coded. Mm -mm. That ain't never going to happen. That is it's just never, ever, ever going to happen. Chucking them all in a shoebox. 
reds, oranges, yellows in one, blues, greens in another, black, white, neutral in another, that I can just about cope with. What What's yeah. the bit about it that really bothers you? Like on my desk at the moment, on my big long painting table, there's, this is after tidying up, there's a thing full of baking paper for using for my palettes. There's a yeah. scraper thing. There's a sponge. There's a broken water bottle. There's an empty tin of Windsor & Newton fixative. There's a big bottle of Gap 100 and a hairdryer. And there's a bit of sandpaper that I was using for something. Now, I've got nowhere to put this bit of sandpaper when I'm done. So what I'll do is I'll open a drawer and it'll go in. Then you won't find it again. Then I won't know where it is. When I first set these drawers up, there was a bit for sandpaper and a bit for something else and a bit for something else. But then, I mean, then it just somehow doesn't stay that way. It has to stay visible. The the only option that I've done for that is just to get bigger plastic tubs or like I say, shoe boxes. Just it it's a dumping ground because then you'll yeah. have to rifle through it. It's just somewhere once in a while to tidy it up to. That's it. That's I've all got it a needs space to space where I think I could pile shoe boxes up in one space at the end of this table. Maybe I need two rows of piled up shoe boxes with labels on. But then you I'd have to get the shoe boxes no, down. See, no, I've got room to pile no. shoe boxes around. So they've got to be open boxes where you can see them, where you can yeah. just tuck stuff in and yank it out again. Yeah, then I've got a cluttered up space. So anyway, I shall continue my mission to try to be more tidy. What well, about you? What have I'm, you been? I'm envious. It was actually it was the prompt in Connected Artist on Monday. We have a start the week kind of prompt. I saw that. Yeah. All sorts maybe of that, maybe that filtered in because I saw yeah. that. Yeah, and it's in, you know, it's a back to term thing, and it's nice. People have been posting there before and after. This room, this room's a little bit empty now. I've got a little bit more work I want to do on that one before I varnish it. But um, this needs some love and care attention because all my bags have come back from the summer. And I want to get really organized with a, you know, backpack bag that I take when I go out. So I'm not always unpacking and unpacking and rediscover what's in it and what isn't in it. And do I have that? And do I have this? I want to, I'm kind of inspired by my daughter who she, she went to Reading Festival and it was funny because I put a post on my personal Facebook and somebody said, you know, why is she taking so long to pack? You know, I've got a boy who packed and it was all done in like five minutes before he went. And I was like, no, no, we have every single outfit separately packed together each one in a separate ziploc bag so <laughs> you're pulling faces it was quite amazing um but i'm only pulling faces because i'm jealous of the organization yeah that's kind of how i want my going out drawing see i had a going out i have somewhere a going out backpack mm. and it was great Mm. And then I went out a couple of times and now all the stuff's got pulled out and mm. put somewhere else and it's no longer great. There's no answer to it apart from every no. now and again to have a big thorough sort exactly. out and yeah. get cracked in. But it does feel good when you've done it. So It does. Yeah. So what's your That's week good. been like? Um, well, my week has been getting things ready for open studios. And um, I, I, I was... I was actually kind of organized on this. I have all these frames, which I'd ordered from my framer and my son was going to help paint them. And I was going to lay them all out in the studio. And the two of us were going to go one day and we were going to crack through it and get it all done. And it was going to be easy because there's space there. And then he had to go back to university really fast because he'd been staying away with a friend. 
and um, he couldn't come back home again because my daughter and I are isolating. And so he had to not be in the house at all. Um, so I've had to do it. And Paul had to go to the framers and pick them all up. And so the kitchen and the dining room is now covered with 14 large paintings <laughs> and, 40, and 12, 10 large frames have all got to be painted with multiple coats and left to dry. So it is a complete tip downstairs. <laughs> but we're getting there. We're getting there. And it was quite funny that yesterday in the middle of this, I thought, oh, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a reel. <laughs> as you do <laughs> as you do well, I just wanted to see how quick and easy it was to do out of something that was you know part and parcel of a little bit of every day because everybody always asks you know what do you use to varnish canvases how do you finish yeah. them and I thought well I'm doing it I'll just do a couple of quick video clips while I was doing that so yeah add something else into the mix but I'm getting there I'm getting there I'm getting there how long have you got left a week oh so you've got plenty of time yeah so this goes when this goes out on tuesday it will be that coming weekend so it is the 17th to the 19th of september how do so, people find you if they want to come well they come to my website which doesn't have anything on at the moment <laughs> but it will by tuesday that's today's job as well as get that done i am so behind honestly i'm so behind normally where i am in in talking about this um but yeah if they come to my website there'll be a link from there where they can find where to come and we're open friday evening and saturday and sunday so it's just it's just a weekend and there's lots within walking distance and it's lovely it's a really nice event um and i will be ready because you always are she says hopefully <laughs> so that has prompted our main discussion which is really the idea of spending time with your work and this kind of came up for me because one of the things that I want to do haha is pull together a video short video about how this work came about and what it means to me and I think that I have been recording short clips of video through the process so I'm going to go back and check those but of course when you start a series of work and what happens towards the end things often change in the middle and while I was doing the painting of the frames and doing the varnishing I it just kind of struck me that I really enjoy that finishing moment of a series of work and I know that you're not so keen on it at that point all those kind of jobs like priming and getting those sort of things varnished you're just like nah move on aren't you whereas I quite like that as a completion stage and it's helped me in terms of thinking about what I want to say with this video and actually really appreciate and enjoy the paintings at that point when I have decided that they're finished and complete, which is a very different thought process than when you're looking at the painting in the middle of it and thinking, are you done? Are you done? What can I do next? Yes. And actually, I think we discussed last week that I'm really bad at savoring things mm. that I move on very quickly. So actually, it just struck me, as you said that, that this is part of my 
problem in a way is that yeah okay they're done and now spending time it's partly that and partly that I'm not very good at it if I'm honest I'm not very good at neatly painting the edges I'm not very good at neatly painting frames I'm not good at that kind of attention to detail stuff so uh, that's why I don't like DIY I don't like putting furniture together that comes from Ikea I don't like anything that involves any kind of precision or organized mind thinking stuff so it's partly that I think and it's partly the feeling that yeah I've moved on and now I mean it's mostly that I'm not good at it I'll spend hours getting a painting into a tray frame and I'll get it screwed in and then I'll look and it's wobbly and it's not straight and I really thought I'd done everything right so yeah but I do love that feeling that you're describing of spending time with the painting so Mm. I personally framed my last series because they were all small ones so I framed them all myself in bought frames but that meant I spent a lot of time with them and uh I did enjoy that feeling of yeah I didn't like the framing process but I did like the feeling of looking at it when it was all framed and finished and thinking yes I made that before it went off to its new home so I know what you mean Um, I don't think it's wasted time at all. I just think it's time I don't enjoy. But you've got a knack for DIY and you've got a knack for, you've got skills in more areas than just painting. You've got skills in areas I have. And I bet you could even make your own frames if you wanted to. I've got no desire to make my own frames. And I don't think, I think there comes a point where it is a waste of time. And, um, you know, we all have limited time. It's like, what do you want to spend it doing? And framing for me was the first thing that I outsourced, if you like, and said, no, somebody else can do that and fit them and do them. So it's unusual for me to be to be doing this with these with these mm-hmm. paintings. And um, they are all going to get wrapped up and taken back to the framer so he can do all the fixing ins and all the screwing on the back and the taping and all of that because that. You know, if you've got time, if you, if you have got time to do it, I don't mind doing that so much, but it's not really a sensible use of time. It's just really this stage of looking at them and enjoying them at the end. There's a, a recognition of what you've learned in the process. And even when I think you've finished a group of paintings, when you're doing something like that and when you're varnishing them, you do see them again at a different stage. And I think when you've seen them in frames and they look finished and they feel finished, I, I just find it a really useful part of making that jump between, like I say, when you're in the studio and you're still worrying about them and thinking about them as being done. And then if you work and they're going to be at an event or whatever, and you're going to be talking to people about them, you've got to feel at that point that what you're presenting, you're happy with. And I suppose I just find it a very useful in-between stage between those two things, the being in the studio and the kind of showing it off, which is almost like a whole other part of you, the talking about it and the sharing it, and yes, here it is. And it just helps move me from one stage into another. And it therefore, I, I really enjoy it. But the other point here is, when we spend time looking at our work in the process of making it. Mm. Um, and 
I think that's sometimes something that people struggle with. And I know that when we talk about things like maybe videoing yourself or when you do a time lapse and it looks like you're super fast and everybody comments, yeah, but, you know, what about all the time spent sitting looking at it? Of which there is a fair amount. Yes. We, we all need a sitting thinking chair. <laughs> Yours is comfier than my orange plastic primary school chair. So. Yeah. <laughs> It's, I don't know, it's a big mistake in the studio. Somebody said, are you, ever, are you going to have a sofa? And I was like, oh, God, no, that would be disastrous if I had a sofa. That would be it. I'd just go there and drink coffee and look at art books and not do anything. <laughs> but a sitting thinking chair is important. I think spent, so it's something that comes up a lot with the more early stage painters who take my course is the idea of, um, it's just come up with somebody, actually, and I was talking to them about it. The idea of I've only got limited time, this person said, I work full time. So yeah. I've only got a bit time in the morning or in the evening, a bit of time on the weekends. And so I really need to crack on. And in her case, it was, you know, I really need to analyze everything, think about everything, make a plan and then go execute that plan. When my painting time comes, I need to get on with it. And it was very much a um, a productivity mindset of like, you know, when I get painting time, I need to use the painting time. And I really understand that feeling because even though it's my full-time job now, a lot of the time it's squeezed in between, especially when I'm teaching for the six months when I'm teaching, the painting time is for me evenings and weekends and mornings as well. And I understand that feeling of, oh, I've got to be have a paintbrush in my hand because I've only got so much time. Mm. But actually, either spending that time looking at what I'm doing or spending that time frivolously playing in my sketchbook or just messing about with things on paper that won't ever go anywhere. That is all really important time for me and means that when I actually go get a paintbrush and do something, it's much more productive and fast. And it took me a long time to learn that because I didn't used to be that way. I used to be very much right I've got an hour of painting time I must put another layer on this painting because that's all the time I've got it really it's just as productive sometimes to sit and look at it for half an hour of that time and then to splash some paint around on a piece of paper for another half an hour of that time and not actually touch the painting yeah for me anyway yeah I but you raise a good point about when do we do our thinking about work and I mean, I love this idea of like, does the paintbrush have to be in your hand for it to count? And I think when we're under time pressured, we do sometimes kind of charge back into it without taking that pause to stop and think. And then I think often you, I see people get frustrated at that point because what they're making, what they're creating doesn't live up to their anticipation for what they want to be doing. And it's it's a cerebral process painting I mean yes it's a physical process yes you've got to create something and there's no substitute for like doing the thing but you also have to know where you're going with it like what you're trying to do and I think some people have a very um planned out system certain things come first certain things come next I mean you wouldn't try and make a you know make a dress or dressmaking pattern and hem it before you'd done the tacking and the stitching it together and you know it there is a kind of natural flow to it but you've you've got to check at some point whether it's 
where you what you want to be doing with your art and I a couple of things that I've done that I think have helped in this one is at the end of a painting session just making some notes for myself about what I've enjoyed what I've felt has moved it on and maybe often some ideas for what I want to do next when I come in and if I'm short on time that can help me get back into it again quicker without a doubt and sometimes I do that in a notebook sometimes I just scrubble it down on a on a loose sheet of paper and have it kind of pinned up I do quite a lot as well of looking at work in progress on my phone if I'm away from it yes I like that because it's a different perspective on it yeah seeing a photograph of it versus seeing it yeah sometimes something I think is going really well then I look at the photograph of it I think "Mm, it's not enough there or vice versa occasionally I think oh it's much better than I thought it was um or at least it's it might be much better than I thought it was I can go back and look at it again and think I don't um make notes every painting session no, I'm usually rushing off to something else. But what I found really helpful this time that I haven't done before is I actually did, and this is probably your influence making me more thoughtful, but before I started this next series of work, I sat down, I made, a, I, I got a sketchbook and I've basically made a scrapbook of just not even ideas. It's not that formal. Mm. It's just like, things I love, things I'm really interested in at the moment. So it's got some quotes in it from other artists. It's got some pictures of either work by other artists or artists working and why I've got those particular artists in there. I've made a note, why this person, why this person. There's one that I put in a picture of Jackson Pollock working and I wrote, it's not the painting, it's the physicality of this picture where he's just Mm -hmm. moving and it's his whole body or there's one where it's Tracy Emin and and that's one of her paintings. What is it I love about this painting? And I put all that together. And I also put crops from my own paintings and things I'd loved in the last series, but I wanted to be go further. Yeah. And other other art, contemporary artists that I love, is that the dog dying or is the dog alive? Well, she's done two things. She firstly lied down on a roll of tinfoil, which was up here because I was using it as a photographic oh, right, good, reflexion yeah. one day. <laughs> I don't know whether she's eaten a bit. She's like, have you finished coffee? Yeah, she's finished coffee. Okay. She <laughs> um, but that scrapbook, I, and then I didn't spend a lot of time going over it or trying no. to replicate anything in it, but it was just like a, a way of thinking about what am I interested in at the moment? What's grabbing my attention? What artists am I loving at the moment? Why? And then I started the work and it really helped because yeah. a lot of that stuff is coming in, especially the stuff from my own paintings that, I, that I'd loved cropping it and bringing it in and saying, oh, I really like that. I want to do more of that. So that was very helpful. And the other thing I've done like that is mid-series when everything's going in that phase we talked about last week where it's it's all kind of ugly and muddy and nothing's really working out mid-series one time I made a a book similar where I I I mean it's quite a costly way of doing it because I print everything out and I cut it out and stick it in and it's very old-fashioned because I could do that probably on Pinterest but I like it in a book yeah and then I write notes and that was really helpful because I could really see it there in the book yeah they're all too bitty they're all not focused enough they're all you know whatever 
So that is, and I think I've got that from you because like I say, I used to be much more, I used to be much more diving, just keep going, you know? And I remember once you said to me that I had made three paintings instead of one because I'd gone over a perfectly reasonable painting with another one and then another one. And it's true. And I don't do that as much anymore because there's a bit more thoughtfulness going in. I still do it sometimes, but not as often. Yeah, we all have paintings that we mourn, the lost paintings <laughs> that are underneath <laughs> others, never to be recovered or seen Really, again. I did make it. It really is there. <laughs> it's, it's really annoying when you, when you see something in your phone that you've taken a photograph of and you're like, oh, yeah, oh, damn it. What we need <laughs> is coming over that. We could be on fake or fortune years into the future. Have you ever seen where they take paintings to the Courtauld Institute and they get photographed? And they find other paintings underneath. They say, oh, look, it's a portrait of a man. But underneath it, there's a portrait of a woman in a bonnet. And you can see the portrait of the woman in the bonnet. And the artist has painted over it. It'll be like that. They'll say, oh, look what Alice Sheridan did on this before she covered it over. A, I don't think anybody will be paying that much attention. (laughs) B, it might be hard to decipher what was underneath or not. Um, But, yeah, I think it, it it is an interesting point. And... That for me is one of the benefits of having, you know, work on display together in a group is that you get that time to look at it. You know, when you've got it all up in an art fair, you really see your work as an outsider sees it at that point. And perhaps that's the thing that that I'm recognizing in this stage at the end that is hard to do when you're in the middle of creating work is how to what you can learn from that sense of distancing yourself from it and looking at it Mm. from the outside in as an objective viewer. And I think it's hard to do that, but it's probably one of the most valuable things that you can do about do for your work and, and help you decide which parts of it you want to keep or where you want to change or just, it's a very hard thing to kind of put your finger on. But I think when we're in the process of making it, we're so emotionally wrapped up in it. And we've got all these ideas about, you know, judgment. This isn't about judgment. This isn't about judging your work. It's about looking at it more clearly so you can see what parts of it you want to take forward. Yeah, I got a bit of that experience. And I think I might have mentioned this before. When I got the PDF proof back of my book for the first time. Mm. And there's a section in my book, which is all the Ted Hughes paintings finished at the end. There's all the paintings with a little piece about them and some of the poetry. And I was flicking through it on my computer screen. And then I got to one painting that was like, Oh, that doesn't belong. It's not good enough. And also it's totally out of tune with all the others. And even though the others are quite different color palettes and different styles, this one just, And it was so clear, whereas when I submitted them, I took them all to the photographers. I'd weeded some out already. I felt like these were the final ones. And yet that one really didn't work. And I think that must be even more so. I never really in this space get to see everything altogether because I just don't have the room to put it all out at once. But when I am planning for this exhibition that I told you about last week and I'm going to see the space tomorrow and see how big it is, but it's fairly sizable. It's it's a slight niggling, not worry, but like I can picture that I'll get there with all my paintings in May and get to hang them up and they'll be 
one or two that just are not as good as the others or don't belong. There is a definite sense. It's that's so it's the it's the standing back as the outside viewer, as you say, and not the and not you who's so involved with it all. Will you have curatorial input from the gallery owner on that? Because yes. that can help. And that's yeah. something something else that's also valuable, I think. I mean, you know, when you get right to the end, perhaps maybe it's too late. And I know sometimes we talk a lot about being careful about what, you know, other people's opinions on your work and what other people think about it compared to where you want to take it. And I think there can be a, a danger that it stops you. But I also know that it's been very valuable sometimes because other people come back, it come in and they see things fresh. Often they're too nice, actually, and they, you know, they say nice things about it. And really what you want is somebody to go, yeah, that one, that one, uh -uh, not cutting it. You need to. Yeah. Like my daughter does that to me. She's pretty good at it, at doing that to me. And it's a funny thing because it doesn't feel it doesn't feel cutting at all when she says it. Um, But I think that that's a very helpful thing to be able to have is to build a relationship with somebody else who can see that in your work how would you feel if you get to the hanging the exhibition and they this person somebody says oh I don't think that one should go in or or if they say oh this one is the most this one is the like key piece for me this is the thing that it should all hang around and you're like oh no yeah, that's gonna that would be strange. I don't think it will quite be that, but I don't know how that would feel. And I it I suppose it would depend which one they were throwing out as yeah. to how I felt. Like if it was one I wasn't that attached to, but if it was my big triptych that I've worked so hard on that I feel like is my statement painting so far in my whole painting career, if they said, Oh, not that one, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it'd be a bit crushed then. <laughs> well, first of all, we'd have a lot of empty space. <laughs> It's brutal, isn't it? Yeah, so, I don't know how it would feel. It's going to be interesting to find out because I've never been in the city. The last time I had one solo exhibition and it was in very small space and it was totally up to me what got hung yeah. and I had to be there and do it myself. This is a case of I take the paintings and then they hang it. And I think I can be there and, and input, but I'm not sure. I'll find out more tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, that'll be very different. But I think probably good, like we said, about needing outside input, or that was a conversation we were having off off microphone. But I think that is important. And I think about, you know, Oasis, the pop group. Yeah. When they first started out, Noel Gallagher used to say, nobody moves a finger on the fret of their guitar unless I say so. And no other producers come in, in here unless, you know, I'm the producer. And their early records, I mean, they were good and everything, but they all were the same and it, and it became samey towards the end. And now I just heard something on the radio where he said he wished he could have Brian Eno as his producer. And Brian mm. Eno is known for changing people's sounds and everything. So he's matured enormously in that time. But I, I did feel towards the end of Oasis and the first of Noel Gallagher's albums that yeah, but you try, you're trying to do it all and you're not the world's best producer. You might be a really good songwriter, but you're not the world's best producer. And as artists, we never get a producer, except if somebody comes in and curates our work. I suppose that's our equivalent of Brian Eno coming in and saying, well, that piece, but not that piece. And let's put them in this order instead of that order. 
And I think even if it's uncomfortable, it might be good. We don't always have to be the boss of everything. No, I think it can be really useful. I, I'm just wondering, when, like when you did that exhibition, when you had them all in the room that time, mm. or do you look back on some paintings and think, oh, no, that shouldn't have gone up? Because that's that's a hard mm. thing to judge, you know, even when you're yeah. still at this stage. And I think also it changes as well. I mean, I know that I've had experience of feeling like really happy with a group of work, being really clear at the time which one my favourite was. And then a year later, when I look back on it, it's changed. It's different. It's another yeah. one that I see as very, actually, you know, you got it. You didn't recognise at the time that this one that you thought was nothing special that was the one that really made the difference to what's coming next. That's so true about that, that show because there was a big one that sold on the opening night and I liked it, but it wasn't my favourite. And my favourite, um, I sanded back two years later and painted over because I didn't like it anymore. It didn't ever sell. I looked at it and I thought, why did you love that so much? It's so... But I look at that one that sold, the big one, and it had so many elements of what I'm doing now. Mm. Um, I'm doing a lot of scribbly things and a lot of pencil marks and a lot, a lot of textures and all that was in that. It was That one was pushing the edges of everything in that exhibition. And that's probably why it was the one that went on opening night because it was the most interesting one, but it wasn't my favourite. And the one that was the most popular there that everybody talked about everybody loved and two people wanted to buy and argued over I don't even really like shh but I don't really like it now it's like I I wouldn't if I was having an exhibition now it wouldn't wouldn't go in yeah so it's fun it does change you change all the time and I'm always saying this to people who are very there was someone who said to me in my course the other day I just want to make one thing that I can hang on my wall and feel proud of and I know that feeling when you're at the beginning you know I just want to make one thing that looks good and that I could tell other people I made but I said to her the bad news is that it even if you made that one and you hang it up on the wall, first of all, you walk past it in a few weeks without even looking at it. You won't notice it anymore. It's just part of the furniture. And secondly, in a year's time, you won't think it's any good. You'll take it down, not because it'll be a bad painting, but just because you'll have changed, especially when you're at the beginning. You change so fast and you develop so quickly. So you, you're wanting that one thing, but that one thing is not really the point of any of it. No. No. So it's never wasted spending time looking at your work. I really think here's a question. Yeah. Something that David Mankin said when he was on, he said he feels like the time he spends looking and thinking at the paintings is in the painting. He feels like when it, it in itself adds depth to the painting. What do you think? Discuss class. <laughs> um, yes, I mean, I think I said the other day that I think you know paintings have paintings have soul in them, and uh, we're, we were talking else 
elsewhere or I was having a discussion elsewhere about like why do we always feel that we have to struggle to make a painting uh, maybe struggle is the wrong word but I know that with some of these I've been wanting to keep a more spontaneous feel to them so they haven't made in a way enormous changes but yet they're at a stage now where they feel complete where they feel like they've arrived somewhere and and a bit of me was like oh I don't know I don't know if I've done enough on you know have I done are they enough have I done enough and then I looked back at some early photos of the beginning stages it was like oh no okay I've really worked on these from from that beginning stage yeah. to where they are now that is a huge that's a huge change and I think often we don't see that or we don't recognize it but it is evident in the painting and I think um, I think you can see when a painting has been loved and looked after and kind of nursed and nurtured over the finish line. Um, would I like to spend less time thinking and more doing? Hmm. In a way, in a way, but I do think it's an important part of the process. Um, so I suppose the best we could do is not beat ourselves, not beat ourselves up about it, you know, and I know that sometimes I have days where, where almost I'll travel in and I'll, I'll feel a bit like procrastination and like, oh, I'm not sure what I want to do. And I'll sit and I'll, and, you know, maybe I'll spend an hour and a half buffing around or doing something that I feel is wasted time. And then there'll be 20 minutes at the end. That's painting time. That is just like boom it's like oh okay now we're rocking whereas other times I go in and I can get painting straight away and it can feel a bit feel a bit labored I, I yeah. don't know there isn't a magic solution I don't think apart from accepting that perhaps there are different stages um, of creating a work and you've just got to welcome it all in and love it all I think knowing ourselves as well because I was thinking if we could be in a studio together at the same time, which then they would look like a bomb had hit it. But I could say, Alice, it's time to stop thinking and start painting. And you could say, Louise, it's time to step away and think for a bit. And we could somewhere in the happy middle. Um, if you feel like sometimes you think too much, I feel like sometimes I keep going when I should stop and think. In reality, is that going to happen? Let's just for a second imagine that scenario that we had <laughs> we a tell big each enough other space that we do. were working in. Yeah, exactly. If I actually said to you, Louise, step away, are you honestly Back telling off, me? Lady. You, exactly. <laughs> you would be like, butt out, this is not your decision. This is my decision. And that's what it comes down to. We've all got yeah. to figure that you've got to figure that out. Um, but I think it's but it, it comes back to knowing yourself and knowing. So that scrapbook idea at the beginning of this new series, that was my way of helping myself slow down, not race into another painting, another series of work without any thinking time. Yeah. Because I'm slowly learning of my own drawbacks. And I think that's what we do, isn't it? As we get more experience, you've just got to observe yourself no way you're strong and no way you're weak and try and compensate a little bit for the weaknesses where you can but without beating yourself up just knowing that it's okay to be you but sometimes you can just improve on it slightly yeah it it's it's a hard thing it's a hard thing to do but we're all doing it three cheers for us
Okay, so to finish then, what's inspired you this week? Well, it's a bit of a strange one, but for some reason I was taking a trip down memory lane back into the 80s when I was a student and we all sat round one night watching a VHS tape, do you remember those, of Stop Making Sense by Talking Heads, which I'm a, I should have looked this up before I came on. I'm pretty sure they recorded the album live in a stage show but they recorded a film and it was one of the first music films really that mm. I remember. And it was a film of the concert. And in the intervening years since then, I've seen David Byrne play live by himself, not with talking heads because it's split up by then several times. And he's always amazing. He's a real artist, not just a musician. And, and actually as an artist, when I lived in New York, he, once took a derelict building and he made it so that everything you did in the building made a sound it set off these instruments or other things so it was an actual installation art piece so he really is an artist but stop making sense was the first time you really see that and it's on youtube now you can watch the whole concert and it's just so amazing have you ever seen it Mm -mm, no it's it's music as theater and every song is choreographed but not in a show tuney way it's just the concert builds and builds until everybody's dancing like crazy but it starts with one guitar him on stage by himself doing a song acoustic and then the drummer comes on out of the dark and the next it's just him and a drummer and then someone else comes on out of the dark and then they wheel the drum kit on properly and the real drummer comes on and then they wheel a keyboard on and slowly the band come in the music builds but they they do all this amazing choreography, like I say, not dancey dancey, but the outfits change. He has this really strange outfit. He's a very skinny man and he has skinny pants and a giant jacket with massive shoulders that when he can move his shoulders and the jacket does weird things, everything about it is very creative. And I just watching it, I was so enraptured by it, just like I was the first time I saw it. And then I went to look him up now. Because the thing is, he's a friend of mine, and I'll just explain what I mean by that. So we went to see Al Gore in New York speaking when we lived there, and a man came and tapped me on the shoulder outside and said, is this the lineup for Will Call tickets or is it? And I turned around, it was David Byrne. And I went, oh, no, that's the line over there for Will Call. And he went and got his tickets. So I now call him my friend because he chose me out of all those people to ask. (laughs) But anyway, I found his latest concert and in his latest concert there's only bits of it on YouTube but I think it's been made into a film by Spike Lee he every member of the band their instruments are not there around their neck so that includes the keyboard player the drummer so everybody's arm everybody's free their legs are free so they can all dance and move in with him and there's lots of them in this band and so that looks like an amazing production and he must be, he's older than me, so he must be in his 60s now. Maybe he's even near 70. And I just thought, there's a person who, he's a musician and he writes great songs and he's had massive hits. And But that wasn't enough for him to be a musician and write hits. He wanted everything about his performances to be an event that you wouldn't forget. And I can remember those concerts I've been to over the years. I can remember these moments from them because they were structured to be remembered. And I just think 
that's what we should all be aiming for all the time to be the best possible version of ourselves to be amazing in every way not just to take the talent that we've got and then yeah I've got this talent I can do this easily and that's enough Mm. so yeah David Byrne is my inspiration this week I love that and I love the idea about expanding beyond I think too often and I hold my hands up to this too too often we kind of get constrained within whatever the format is that we think we should be doing and in a way I'm not interested in performance art but the way thing the way art is experienced and what it brings to people it can be so much more than just what happens within the dimensions of a frame and I just wonder how how much we kind of hold ourselves back by sticking with that but what you have in a band is you have this wonderful collaborative experience isn't it if you let it in so like you were talking about Gallagher and Oasis you know when he's trying to do it all doesn't yeah you're not letting it in Mm -mm, you're not letting it in yeah you're the boss and everyone does what you say yeah that's different and I'm sure David Byrne was very much the boss but he was letting the other people play their part and have their moments in order to make this bigger thing yeah so maybe the question is, you know, where can we do that with our art, expand it beyond, expanding it beyond limits? That's the thing, isn't it? Lovely. What a lovely note to end on. Thank you very much for joining us this week. Um, we are very pleased to be back. As I say, I have got an open studio. If I get organised, I might do an online thingy thing because I'm going to be at home. So I might do a streaming thing. So do head over to my website, which is alicesheridan.com and have a little look what's going on there. And Louise's website is louisefletcherart.com. Is it? Yeah. And there's no new work on there. So don't, so don't look for any. <laughs> But there will be coming very soon. My Ted Hughes paintings are finally going up on the website for the book coming out on October the 7th. So in October, the paintings are going up. Finally. It's another thing that we should be thinking about outsourcing that there isn't enough time for. Lovely. Okay, we will see you again next week. Happy painting. Happy creating. I know it's not just painters who listen to us. So um, we have got some guests coming up as well that kind of spread across different formats. So when we get organized and get those scheduled in, we'll have a little bit more variety, we hope. See you next week. Bye bye. Bye. Hello and welcome to episode 134 of Art Juice. This is honest, generous and humorous conversation. What are you waving at? The microphone again. That's it, it's right here. Real life conversations. <laughs> two slightly honest, humorous and disorganised conversations. I had something really good to say right on from that. I was following on from what you said with something just really meaningful and my mind went completely blank and I just stared at you. It's like, what was I going to say? Oh, when I was painting frames the other day, we've got builders in our next door garden and they were sanding and I said, um, 
can you just let me know you know what you're going to be cutting or sanding today because I don't want it flying over the fence and landing on things he's like oh well it won't be long um he said I'm just sanding asbestos <gasps> no not asbestos sorry oh I get it wrong it wasn't that bad fiberglass right sanding fiberglass and I was like okay well presumably you're doing that with a bag that's sucking it all up then there he was without a mask yeah of course no I was like well I don't want to be breathing in fiberglass anyway so I ended up doing it all inside but I wanted to be go further yeah and other other art contemporary artists that I love is that the dog dying or is the dog alive she's done two things she's firstly lied down on a roll of tinfoil which was up here because I was using it as a photographic reflection one day (laughs) I don't know whether she's eaten a bit. She's got me finished coffee. Yeah, she's finished coffee. Okay. <laughs> <As you were. laughs>